now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. First edition news in a minute with Mark Van Aken, but less than a week since the grand final, and we're already getting withdrawal symptoms as the longest off-season in international football begins. But what a way to end the season with a classic grand final. There have been some good ones over the years, but Sunday's penalty shootout thriller goes straight to the top shelf. We'll chat to Sydney FC's Matt Simon soon to find out just how nerve-wracking the whole thing was and what the week of celebrations has been like since for the Sky Blues. Then as we'll go through the game in more detail, of course, with our man and Dean Hennessy to work out just how it was won and lost. And after that, we're going to wrap up the opening hour looking forward. We're going to look forward to the season ahead and talk to our mate Ernie Merrick as he saddles up with his third club in the A-League, the Newcastle Jets, in the second hour. As always, we'll kick off with second edition news. Then our mate John Cosmina returns to Box to Box to talk about the expansion plans of Brisbane City and no doubt give us an opinion on Sunday's game as well. Then Dino is going to return with all the international news as we reach the final rounds of the international leagues and, of course, the Champions League contenders are decided. And as always, again, we will wrap it up with stoppage time. Edge, what a game it was, mate. A classic was a classic, and uh, can't wait to talk to Dino as we reflect on everything that happened uh, up in Sydney. He was there. I was on the couch. It was uh, very good television yeah. viewing. I loved every single moment of it, uh, including all those tackles. Did the better team win on the night? Uh, look, I thought it was a fairly even contest, and it could have gone either way, really. Yeah, so it was one of those ones. I guess Dino a penalty shooter. Both teams mm. had opportunities. Let's talk to Dino about that. But, you know, it's, it's less than a week ago, the grand mm. final. But mm. having said that... We've got movement at the station. Tony Pignata, he's uh, he's he's given up the ghost at Sydney FC. Uh, mm-hmm. Adelaide's departed. Uh, they're a coach, Mr. Moore. See you later, mm-hmm. brother. And Ernie Merrick. Ernie's back. Ernie Merrick. He never went. Back from the back from the dead. So he's onto his third club in the A League. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's a good news story because uh, I know Mark has got a bit more information, but mm. he beat a very interesting mm. candidate. Okay. We should talk about that with Ernie. I don't know whether he'll talk about that or not, but we should we should have a chat to him about that. But no, it's been pretty good. Mark, why don't we? Why don't you hit us with some of the news? I don't want to talk about that, Michael. We'll leave that for later. <laughs> anyway, uh, we cannot, boys, of course, not taking some of the uh, I guess the colour, the excitement from Sunday. We know it's almost a week past, but let's hear off the top from Graham Arnold on the most remarkable A-League season we've seen so far. And with Graham Arnold, Graham, congratulations. I mean, after last season and, and what you went through, to have that medal around your neck for a second time as a manager, just talk us through what it means to you. Yeah, look, uh, always, <clears throat> always seems to take me three years to do this and uh, it was the same at the Mariners. You know, um, but look, as I've said before, I've had to go, I had to go away and evaluate myself and, you know, I wasn't the right... Uh, frame of mine last year and you know I wanted to show the real me and at the end of the day you know recruitment is obviously a big part of what we do but uh, you know we've got a fantastic group of boys and uh, I'm, I'm just so happy for them and, and proud of them because you know we kept our foot on the pedal for a long time and uh, look it's not a nice way to win. It's what's interesting there he was talking about going away and assessing himself and it's not the first time we've spoken about this but mm. I made a chat during the week up to Bradley Charles Stubbs he calls himself the coach whisperer mm. and he's worked with uh, Eddie Jones and uh, <laughs> Eddie Jones uh, with the former Wallabies he's worked with Michael Checker with one. the Wallabies yes well there was some some action going on 
here in the studio. Anyway, uh, interesting that uh, he worked uh, with Arnie and this kind of um, how do I say it? This What's his name? Bradley Charles Stubbs. Bradley, Bradley Charles Biggie, Stubbs. Biggie. I was very very interested in Dean's reaction to when that name came up. Yes. Anyway, moving on. We'll move on. But he has worked with him this year. And that's if you've listened to anything Sydney FC, it's all about this positive affirmation. It's a little well, bit of hocus-pocus. Arnie's very positive. A little bit of hocus-pocus. but the, everything. And little things. like the, I think I said it last week. They don't call the Melbourne victory. They call them Melbourne. Just little one percenters like that in the brain. Anyway, let's hear from Danny Vukovic. It's a massive dumb. news story. Sorry? That's pretty dumb. <laughs> I mean, I'm only into positive stuff. Try it, mate. But please, yeah. please, Listen yeah. to Graham. He, you will never hear a Sydney player refer to them as Melbourne Victory. That's ridiculous. There we go. Anyway, another good news story out of it was obviously Danny Vukovic, and he doesn't really remember too much of that penalty story. shootout. Let's yeah, hear yeah. Let's listen. I'm speechless. Um, that whole penalty shootout was a blur. I just went so quickly and... I can't believe we've won it. It's just an amazing feeling. It's taken 12 years. I've wanted this for 12 years, and um, it's finally happened. You know, it's just been a pleasure playing for this team, this group of uh, boys. Um, you, you can see it out there. We, we, we fight for each other, and, and um, you know, we, we have done all season. I think uh, we thoroughly deserve this championship, and, uh, yeah, we're going to celebrate now. So, Marco, the backstory to Danny Vukovic, of course, is that he left Melbourne Victory to go back home to Sydney because his little boy was uh, in need of a liver transplant. Mm. Um, how, how did that go? I don't really know how, how that sort of... It's gone, gone pretty well. So he's, he's in recovery, and it was great to see him on the pitch uh, mm. on Saturday or Sunday night, rather, mm. out there with him. So uh, I'm not uh, sure whether some of you saw a very nice message that the Prime Minister gave yeah. to Danny Vukovic uh, yeah. in a, in a stand-up presser. Uh, it was something about... Uh, his press conference is obviously politically uh, of political nature, but at the end of it, he stopped and he asked to to relay a message, and he mm. gave the message, and it was quite heartfelt. It was yeah. uh, was pretty impressive. Well, we're actually. all parents in this room, and that uh, that's just a great story because that's what it really is all about, isn't it, mate? So wonderful news. Now, what might be a good news story, or certainly a story, that the Argentine legend Gabriel Batistuta has been confirmed as a shock candidate to replace Guillermo Moore as Adelaide United manager. Reds chief executive Grant Mayer confirmed in an interview in the Adelaide Advertiser that the Fiorentina legend has made an offer to take charge of Adelaide next season. Following Amor's official departure on Wednesday, Mayer said there was also other options to overhaul the club. We have 14 players, 14 players, boys, yet to sign new contracts beyond this season. Good move for Batistuta? Well, Certainly he's only be... got to move over um, from Perth, doesn't he? He's been living there for quite a Long while. Time. So yeah. uh, uh, why wouldn't it be? He's not, that Has he coached, though? And I mean, it's, it's... Well, you wouldn't think he'd be in the mix if the he doesn't have his badges. The is littered with uh, great big names in football that have never coached, turning up to coach and doing mm. crap. Mm. So if I was Adelaide, I'd be looking for an experienced coach. And what have they been doing to allow 14 players to come out of contract? This this is why I was having a go at the chairman, Greg Griffin, uh, about about complaining about playing in the Asian Champions League a couple of weeks ago. Mate, everything about that club is just seeming to be, and again, run your club the way you want to run it. But Mm. their title defence was hampered right from the start. They didn't recruit well. They lost too many Mm. good players. And you've now had Guillaume Moore, who, again, is a Barcelona legend himself, Mm. um, out the door. I don't know. I just don't understand what they're doing. Anyway, they, they, they did have the quote this week that with Batistuta's offer, there's also a plan A, B and C. But I assume he's plan A at this point. Watch this yeah. space. Absolutely. Hey, Australia's chances of qualifying for World Cups from 2026 onwards have been given a massive boost after FIFA increased the number of slots in Asian qualifying from four and a half to eight. Europe will have 16 slots at the 48-team World Cup from 2026, up from 13, and the other confederations will all see incre- also see 
increases themselves. And I see that the USA, Canada, Mexico bid um, is not allowed Amazair to get the actual World Cup because FIFA have extended the deadline to, to try and drum up a little bit of interest. And they, what was interesting, they said Morocco's kind of interested in hosting the World Cup. This 48-team World Cup, I'm, I'm digging this up again, mm. it means there's very few countries in the world that would have the infrastructure. I think, Michael, don't you think, to, to host a World Cup? I wonder if Australia would have the infrastructure to host a 48-team World Cup now. I think we would, but it would be a bit of a push. Um, but I think you'll see more combined uh, regional mm. bids, which is effectively what the US one is. I mean, we mm. had our friend from uh, Austin, Texas, uh, tell us about that uh, recently. But mm. look, at the end of the day... Um, I think FIFA's extended the timeline because they need a competitive uh, bit, bit of yeah. competitive tension to get some extra rights fees. Mm. That's what all that's about. Yeah, but it sounds you're, like you're right, and and that is a good point that you make, isn't it, mate? That uh, that it's going to be constricted to. Do you know what I think would be a great little get for Australia would be that six-team comp that they're going to have for the final two spots. If you, yeah, yeah, if you yeah. read the detail, there's effectively they have 40 spots and then they have two spots up for grab and they have a 16 playoff. Like a repercharge charge kind yeah, of Yeah, I think yeah. that uh, would be a good little event to have for Australia. Yeah. There we go. Now, Jamie McLaren, speaking of people who won't be around in Australia uh, much longer, has confirmed his Brisbane Raw departure. The prolific 23-year-old striker has been long expected to leave the club after he rejected uh, a new offer from them, but he waited until after the Raw's final game of the campaign, of course, Wednesday night's 3-2 Champions League loss to Olsen Hyundai at Suncourt Stadium to announce he was leaving Brisbane. And by the way, in fact, no, I'm going to leave that for later. Um, he might end up at Kaiserslautern, a very famous uh, place for Australian football, of course, where we played two World Cup games, mm-hmm. games rather back so a lot in of, uh, A lot of uh, news out of Germany about uh, Barillo and Jamie. Yeah, Brandon Barillo might end up there as well. Now, they're in the second division. Um, obviously, an awesome stadium, as we know, and... Um, Great little town as well. Anyway, over to you, Rob. Well, well done, Marco. That was a brilliant uh, opener and uh, and a wonderful little package to to wrap up the grand final. But we're going to wrap it up in a little more detail. You're suffering tonight, Rob. You've got a bit of a... I, I, I'm, I'm sort of getting at the end of, uh, and I know it's a bit frustrating sometimes. I know when I'm listening just to just wondering whether you've been, the cold, but, been down uh, to chemist warehouse and got a I, bit of I have been actually. I'm, I'm on the Blackmores vitamin shot, C. Telling legal assistance. Yeah, legal assistance. Got the Blackmores vitamin C, and thanks to our friends at Chemist Warehouse, I am beginning to feel better. But a bloke who's feeling really well, he doesn't need any medication to feel better because he had a grand final medal hang around his neck last Sunday night. His name's Matt Simon. He came on very late in the game but he played through the entire extra time and had a, uh, a strong influence in keeping that, uh, that steady ship going to the penalty shooter. He's coming up next on Box to Box after the break. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We talked about it in the show opener and what a ripping game it was. Uh, Sydney FC penalty shootout, heart in the mouth stuff, sitting on the sidelines. But a bloke that was not on the sideline, he was right in the thick of it. He's a veteran of the code and he's a much loved player. Sydney FC's Matt Simon, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you, mate. How are you going? Yeah, real good. But welcome uh, not only to uh, a great player, but a grand final winning player, mate. That you must just love um, hearing those words roll off you. The top, uh, you know, the, the the double this year was probably the greatest double in the history of the A League. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, you know a huge achievement on Sunday to to get across the line. Um, as I said through the week, it, it sort of it's sinking in more and more each day, and you know to finally uh, be a championship winner, it's um, you know it's, it's really pleasing. And and look, you you played um, in 24 of the 28 matches leading into the grand final, but uh, you know a grand total of 240 minutes. But 
then um, you, you get the call up at about the 81 minute mark to replace Bobo, the guy that's uh, you know on the big big dollars and uh, you know the the big money to score the goals, and and then you've you've got to not only play the the final sort of nail biting minutes of regular time, but uh, but go through uh, um, the uh, the extra time period. It, it, it must have been. Um, edgy seat stuff well metaphorically for you as it was literally for us yeah look as um i wasn't used to playing so long 40 minutes but yeah. um as you say most of the time it's been 10 minutes but yeah look it was just great to be a part of the squad and, and to get that time and um you know i felt like we were going to win it in normal time but it wasn't to be and yeah the, you know i think that the boys fitness showed that we you know we had better fitness in extra time and we started getting on top of them, mm. and um, you know I'm just glad that we we come out on top on the on the shootout. Matt, what's it like? Obviously, you went to Sydney uh, probably knowing that you were going to be uh, in a dogfight for a starting position. But then, um, what's it like uh, knowing that you're in that uh, that backup role? Um, how have you approached that through the course of the year? Yeah, I think everyone's different how they approach things. You know, obviously Sydney's a very big club, and they're always going to sign marquees and. It was explained to me that the you know there was going to be a marquee striker, and for me to be honest, it was fine with that. I, I said at the start, well, hopefully you sign a good one, and he scores a lot of goals, and they actually you know they did. They signed Bobo, and he, he um, you know he produced, and I'm just happy to be a part of the team. Um, I'm 31 now, um, so to win every week and just to be part of the squad, and um, you know, and just you know go to training every day and be a part of a winning team and a great bunch of boys is um, you know I'm happy with that. And you've signed up for next year, is that right? I did hear that during the week. Yeah, they released it today, so I signed the uh, extension for next year, which I'm pleased about. So, as I say, I couldn't be happier at the club, and they, you know, they do everything for you. Um, you know, there's nothing to complain about at Sydney FC. So, um, we're, we're looking, all the boys are looking forward to. You know, um, future success together. And mate, take us back to that grand final. So, um, you know, the uh, what I want to know is what uh, what Arnie said at half time, and then uh, and then you know full time, and then during the penalty shootout. So, you know, you, you're expected to win and win comfortably um, in the media, but clearly that's not what the club attitude was. You knew Melbourne victory would come out all guns blazing and give you a red hot game, which they did. But to go into the the, the rooms at half time down a goal, uh, what did, what did Arnie say at that point um, to to get the boys? Um, Heads clear. Yeah, well, I only got a, a glimpse of it because I usually just don't stay in for the talk. I I'll go to the bathroom and then get out and do a bit of a warm up. Yeah. But uh, he he said at the start was just was, you know, we had to play our own game. We, um, you know, probably in the first half we got um, caught into playing their game, which was the physical side of things. Um, so he said just to relax and we have to be brave to play. Um, so to get the ball down and just play the football that we've been playing all year. Um, and then we'll start getting on top of them. And I think in the second half we showed that as soon as, you know, we stayed out of the niggly stuff, even though they kept on going with it, we um, we started playing football and, and got on top of them. And and his remarks towards the the later part of the game, full time in regulation time, and uh, and uh, you know at the end of uh, of extra time. Yeah, he just after full time we got two extra time. He uh, it was just all about belief. He said, just believe that you're going to win this game and. Um, as we do all, every game, and we did all year. And uh, he said, just keep on going, because the second half that we showed that we got on top of them um, just felt like, you know, we were going to run over the top of them. And just before the penalties, he just said to us, you know, pick a side, be confident, and hit the ball hard, mm. and, you will, and you will score. And and that penalty shootout, as anyone who's watched them over the years knows, the pendulums, uh, you know, just swing, and they certainly did. Where were you in the lineup, mate? When were you expected to take yours? 
goal was actually number nine. So <laughs> I was pretty far down the order, but um, yeah, look, boys, it's a, it's a confidence thing, and you know, we 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 took a few in training, and um, you know, obviously all the boys that stepped up were confident and wanted to take one. Um, so you know, I'm I'm very grateful that the the ones that took them did, and we got the right outcome. This is box to box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Sydney FC's grand final premiership winning player, championship winning player, Matt Simon. Uh, Matt, uh, tell us about those uh, practice penalties in training because they they are never the same as the real thing, are they? Yeah, that's right. Look, it's it's just the teammates and, and the coaching staff, and uh, um, you know it's a bit of a laugh. At they training, didn't wheel the cove into training to to sort of uh, make a bit of noise behind the net, mate. Yeah, no, nah, there was actually no one there to watch. So you know there was a couple of good pens at training, and uh, I think you know Steve Corica, you know we, we were saying there's some good pens, and he said yeah, you know. I've got to do it in front of 42,000 maybe. So, as you say, it's a very big different story. When when you've got to do it in front of a huge crowd, it's um, a little bit more nerve-wracking. So you obviously talk about, obviously going into a game like this, uh, penalties are a, a real possibility. Did Was there much dialogue in the week leading up to the match that, you know, penalties could be on? Yeah, with the, even with the Perth game and the grand final, we all said all week that we wouldn't need penalties because we were just going to win the game. Um, you know, just that positive thinking and the belief that the team has. Uh, but, you know, it's always a possibility. You just never know how football goes. So, yeah, it was always a possibility. So we actually didn't practice pens for the Perth game, but we did for the grand final. So probably lucky, lucky we did. Okay, Matt, uh, you're just talking to Rob and I here. There's, this, this program is not a national program. It doesn't go all through Australia on NTS Dab Plus radio and uh, podcasted. So you're just talking to us now. What happened after the game? And tell us a little bit about it, the celebrations. They must have been big. Yeah, of course. There was um, you know, huge celebrations. The change room was you know, um, just this unbelievable feeling. The boys as I say, to set your goals out at the start of the season and to achieve those goals to, to finally become reality. Um, the boys, you know, they, we celebrated, you know, pretty long into the night and we've been going pretty much all week. So we've got our presentation night tomorrow night, so we'll come back together and, and have another celebration. He, sound, he sounds in very good shape, doesn't he? He sounds in great shape for someone who's been on the, the gas for four or five days, yeah. <laughs> I just had half an hour sleep before my two-year-old daughter to bed, so I caught up. I think that's the secret, the two-year-old daughter, mate. You've got uh, a little one at home who you want to spend some time with, mate. It's, uh, that's uh, that's one thing that we can understand. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, and look, um, you know, clearly Arnie's already uh, thrown the gauntlet down and said uh, we want to go back-to-back. Uh, not not uh, unlike him to, <laughs> to make the big, bold statements. Uh, um, that must be something now that you've signed up again, you you, you know, you, you, your group... Uh, um, has got big sights set, the Asian Champions League, um, a lot coming up. Yeah, of course. Um, I think, obviously, we've set the standard this year. Um, so the boys are just hungry to you know, keep that success going. And as you say, ACL next year, I think with the squad that we have, we, we want to give that competition a real shake. And, um, you know, the, after the feeling of winning on Sunday, it's... Um, you know, we, we we want to do that again, basically. So the boys are looking forward to next year already. Now, we know there's movement at the end of every A-League season, but uh, one uh, one move we didn't anticipate was your CEO, Tony Pignata, resigning after five years, a much-respected person in the game. What's your experience with Tony, and uh, can you uh, reflect on uh, on that announcement as well? Yeah, look, he's a great man. He's, um, you know, when he called me to let me know, he called every player individually before it got released. Um so, you know, that shows what kind of person he is. And, 
he, uh, you know, he's done a lot for myself and my family. And you know, he's five years away from his family, his family's still based in Melbourne, so you can understand, you know, where he's coming from. He's, he's done an unbelievable job. Um, uh, everyone can imagine how hard the job would be being CEO, CEO of such a big club. So yeah, he wants to spend more time with his family, and I think um, you know he deserves that. Yeah, absolutely. And here, uh, here we, uh, we, you know, we bag uh, clubs, officials, players when they've. Uh, done uh, things poorly but um, we, we don't spend enough time giving them reps when they've done things well and Tony certainly deserves that, the credit um, that he's been getting and uh, what a time to go out. Um, the only thing is mate you might see him bob up at another club um, wearing uh, some different colours uh, in the not too distant future but that's the nature of the game isn't it mate? Yeah that's right it's the nature of football you know players move clubs and obviously staff and um, you know, he, he said he's going to take a little break and then reassess things. So, hmm. you know, honestly, he could work anywhere. So, yeah, it depends on, you know, um, if, an, if another club picked him up, they'll be the lucky ones. So, hmm. yeah, the, you know, they'll probably he, he turn them into a bit of a success as well. So um, we'll see what happens. And what about your fans, mate? Is there something you'd say to the fans? I mean, those, uh, not just the Cove, but those loyal fans out there in the stands, um, mate, they, we, you know, they, they, they kept the noise up um, when, uh, when you went down. But, geez. Uh, I mean, the, the the if there was a roof on it, mate, it would have been blown into the stratosphere when that uh, equaliser went in. Yeah, that that crowd on Sunday was just, you know, that was the best crowd I've played in, in front of. And uh, as you say, they just did not stop all game. And the, the boys could feel that energy. And especially when we scored that equaliser goal, mm. um, when we warmed up, we warmed up down in that corner in front of the cove. And, mm. Oh, actually, it hit me, you know, when the noise that they were making just after that goal was <laughs> unbelievable. Um, and they really, I think they really helped, you know, bring the boys home mm. um, <laughs> with the atmosphere in there. Yeah. Uh, we just, uh, you know, it just, it just gave everyone a huge lift. I think Milos Ninkovic was crazy brave to uh, to dive into the middle of those lunatics, mate. Uh, I think they were going <laughs> to, they were going <laughs> to strip him down, mate, and take some souvenirs from, from the great yeah. man. Uh, that's right. He launched in, and you know, it's lucky he came back out. So yeah, that no, was a good celebration. Yeah, good on you. Hey, Matt. Look, thank you so much for coming on the show, Matt Simon, Sydney FC. Uh, we uh, we're so grateful that uh, we've um, followed your fortunes throughout the season, and um, and I think even uh, people who don't follow Sydney FC, um, they might not have been barracking for you on the day, but they'd have to acknowledge if they're fair uh, supporters that um, that this was a, a perfect end to a, um, an almost perfect season. Yeah, that's right. It's um, you know it was a huge season for us, and as I say, to to win it how we did and in you know the style that we did, it was um, you know a great achievement. Yeah, ripping stuff. Well done, Matt. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay, thanks, guys. After the break, stick around because Dean Hennessy's going to come in, and we're going to really drill down into that game <laughs> and find out where it was won and lost. That's next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We've had a good chat to Matt Simon about what it was like from the inside at the grand final. But uh, we want to talk to our man Dean Hennessy about what it was like uh, on the outside because he was there and he watched the game and it was a ripping game. But before we get into it, mate, um, what is this Sunday, Dino? Can you tell us? It's Mother's Day. It is Mother's Day and uh, we all love our mum. Um, If uh, your mum's still with you, you've got uh, some responsibilities this Sunday. And if it's your wife or your girlfriend or your partner, you also have responsibilities to make sure that your children get them sorted out. And to get them sorted out, Dean, where are you going to go? 
chemist warehouse there's no other place you would go no you wouldn't mate because they got the big brand fragrances at affordable prices say thank you to mum with luxury fragrances from chemist warehouse like Cacharel Lulu Amor Amor and an ANA 30 mils for just 24.99 each Issy Miyake 100 mils for just 69.99 and Stella McCartney 100 mils for 89.99 great prices there boys hey the- did you know Rob that the Maribyrnong West Primary School cancelled their Mother's Day stall mm. because chemist warehouse had too many good deals. That would make sense because... Uh, but then Bill did. Shorten found out about it and he rang up the principal or the, the principal, and said, hey, we want the Mother's Day store back. And so Chemist Warehouse stocked up, got a whole lot of stuff down there <coughs> and sell it to the mums and dads. And a bloke that needs to get down to Chemist Warehouse very soon for some vitamin C is Mark Van Aken, who's been coughing like the proverbial steam train all night, <laughs> as you could hear just then in the background. But the super special prices are on this week for Mother's Day, only at Chemist Warehouse, where the lowest prices are guaranteed. I think a few of the boys from Sydney FC, some of the people who were involved in their celebration, like you, Dean, um, might have been down there buying some Barocca, a little bit of Panadol, anything to uh, to sort of take the edge off uh, uh, some of the um, the post-celebration hangovers. I did actually pack Barocca, but didn't use it, believe it or not. Now, just before we talk about to Dean about all the fun things that happened when he was up in Sydney mm. and uh, the gate crashing over the celebrations. That he was I know invited, that he, he wasn't gate crashing. Yeah, gate crashing at this one. Yeah, mm. but tell me, um, Dino, uh, I wanted to ask you about the approach of Melbourne Victory because it was very clear from very early that they were planning on making a physical stand and uh, they did target... Uh, Ninkovic, the playmaker, um, pretty aggressively. What's your view of those tactics and and that strategy? It it did set the scene for a pretty brutal encounter for the entire night. But I'm just wondering what you as a coach, what you thought of uh, Kevin's tactics, because it was pretty clear. Well, I think I think if you look at it's a final, so it's 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 do or die. There's no next week. Um, They've obviously played against them three times and got beat. And you know they're a very proud club and a very successful club and they're, they're a decent team <clears throat> and I think he looked at most probably all the videos went back through everything and thought well maybe this is the way you know they, they had to try and take the crowd out even though they had an unbelievable support there it was great support from victory uh, but that's the loudest I've ever heard Sydney uh, I must say but I think you know trying to break the crowd trying to get a goal ahead which you know the plan was working to a treat when it actually you know, when Borussia scored. So, look, I haven't got an issue with it. I mean, all about it's, the physical nature well, of the again, attack. Again, it's, it's a physical sport. I mean, you know, you only have to go back to the 60s, 70s and 80s when it was yeah. it was dirty. It's not now. Uh, but there was always, there's always a physical element in the 90s, the 2000s and the present day games. We are it? talking about Kevin Musk at each. Yeah, no, there's just no just question any, whatsoever well, if anyone was going to go out hard. It was there's there's be two hard. things, though, there... Um, with regards to that, Rob, is that Kevin was Kevin and he played the game the way he played it, but not necessarily as he got the players that do the same. Mm. I mean, Lee Broxham set the tone from the very, very first tackle, uh, you know, and he's not the biggest lad in the world and we've had him on our, on our show, mm. but it set the tone. And for me, I, I've got no issue with it. And then uh, they lined up Georgeski, Valeri, you know, they yeah. all had they all had a go. Well, yeah. that, that was the that was the plan. Yeah. Share it around. Don't mm. be the same one because then you get on a yellow and then yeah. all of a sudden you, you might go into a second yellow <laughs> and you're off the pitch. Now, then, I thought the game was... Pretty well refereed. I thought it was okay, and I, I thought, thought the ref did well. Yeah, and I thought that he uh, because he could have. There was a couple of cl- those couple of those tackles were a little bit close, and uh, but I thought he he held his nerve and um, and ushered the players through the game well. So that we should mention that 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 was a good performance, and I, yeah, the, I thought the referee added to the game. There was talk about a little incident where they were all in there, and there was certainly a lot more Melbourne victory 
in that little group than there was, there was yeah. in Holosko. And there was that, um, Holos- that Holosko yellow Holosko. card. Um, yeah. It appeared to come from Strebray Dolovsky and, and Simon Hill in the commentary yeah, made the comment whether uh, or not uh, he, he had the authority well, it, to make that No, it might, well, he, we were making some assumptions there. It could have come... I don't know exactly what happened there. It also might have come from a, a linesman too. Yeah, well, but yeah. Simon, I think he was in a pretty good position to make the observation. Yeah. He did I make think it that, in the comments. I think the thing that I would highlight, for now now being there, seeing it and being part of it, which was... It, it was really anticipated from way, way... In, so definitely in our show and most probably from the whole nation that this is the final we wanted. It was the two best teams going to war. Uh, they've got an unbelievable rivalry. The big blue is the big blue. Mm. It started as a blue, and you know you're quite right there. Mm. But I've got no issue with how they approach the games. They've, they get one chance to roll a dice. I thought the dice was rolled correctly. For lots of periods of time, victory were in a good position. But well, they started well. Did we heard Matt Simon say that uh, that Melbourne victory um, weren't allowing Sydney to play their game in the first half, and mm. and we got to say, what about the uh, the man for all occasions, the big game player? That's why they signed him from Brisbane Raw, mm. Bessa Barisha. What a fantastic goal, mm. and uh, it really did. What about his reaction to how pumped yeah, was he? Yeah, look, he was. And look, he's been an absolute credit to the game. Obviously, we're losing him now uh, mm. to the game over here, but you, you just can't fault the man for. Bessar Barisha. Yeah. No, he's um he's still um, with not, Victory, isn't he, for another not, season? That's not the word on the street. Word no. on the street, he's out the door. He's yeah, out the door but, and yeah. might well, be going somewhere else. Mm, okay. Anyway, we'll watch that's that space. And... But but, but the, while we're talking, Bessard. Every scored a goal in every grand final. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the question I was going to ask, though, was uh, the one area I thought... Um, Kevin didn't do particularly well in was the penalty shootout and uh, and um, and and leave, leaving um, Kevin uh, uh, Bessar Barisha until uh, I think it was fifth. the, the fifth um, penalty taker never got to take one. Uh, Marco Rojas was clearly um, labouring towards the end of extra time. There were three separate occasions where he couldn't get himself on side uh, after he'd had a pretty heavy tackle, you know, earlier in the uh, in the game and um, and that you know he hardly ran up for that penalty shootout. Didn't look confident and um, you know it just was to me. Hindsight's a, a good thing, Look, it is. Oh, well, give me a break for God's sake, Bessard Barisha. You've just said he scored a gold in every single grand final. He's the golden boot. We've just lauded him and he doesn't take it a penalty. You'll always debate these things. I mean, the, the, Dean, the, the, tell me you agree that he should have taken a penalty look, earlier. I mean, if you are the designated penalty taker, you hmm. don't want it to go to the fifth because it might not, never get to the fifth. Well, what I yeah, say, you, you exactly. think you're going to most probably go in the generally Correct. as a rule the top three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're in the top three, because well, what go I will to say three. is that Marco Rojas probably shouldn't have been taking a penalty because he possibly should have been substituted. Funny thing about that, I thought that's exactly what I just said. Well, I think the last time he did take one, he missed it as well. Uh, but that's again, look, penalties are a totally different kettle of fish. But look, should uh, Kevin have substituted Rojas when he was he, he was clearly out of gas? Uh, you know, uh, you almost can, before you can only extra ask, time. You can only ask Kevin. He's the manager. He's he's out there doing what he needs to do, and you know, and he's looking at his bench, and you know, he most most probably wasn't confident enough to say, well, we we need to make this change. James um, Troisi, though. You know, there were a lot of opportunities he had that went over the bar and that um, that final Well, one the one that, that hit um, the post was pretty unlucky because it hit the inside mm, of the post. I mean, mm. look, to, to... He had at least three or four shots that went nowhere near it. To, to summarise it, I thought it was the best final I've been to. Um, I thought it was the best atmosphere I've been to in Australia. I think mm. it was been the best game with all the drama, especially with the penalty shootout. When Alex Wilkinson uh, misses his... I'm I'm really fearing the worst for them, and and obviously I was invited to the Sydney after party if well whether they won or lost, and they certainly can't draw, um, and obviously that we were. 
the the party for the Sydney FC was in the same building, but not in the same venue uh, as uh, where Victory was. And and it's 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 tough, you know, because it would have been really really hard if you get beat. And I know, you know, just from feedback I've Did had. Did Alex that, Wilkinson have a visit to the dentist at some stage after the game? Um, I'm not sure where you're going with that. No, I just thought he uh, copped one in the mouth and uh, was spitting out a few teeth. Oh, he was. He, look, he, 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 he was a really like a hard hit, actually. But, look, he was uh, he was good at the party as well. We've spent some time with him uh, on the night. And, look, great win for them. I think if you go over the full season, they mm. thoroughly deserve to win the league. And I suppose you don't win the league because we have finals here. But The moral Melbourne... of the story, Dino, is Melbourne victory captains should not take penalties in penalty shootouts. Kevin Musket misses, Carl Valeri misses, and that's the end of the section. Dino, you're going to stick around because we've got the international stuff to get through, but what a game it was, and you've, you've made it clear one of the best. It was the best. Yeah. Mernie Merrick is next. Stick around. Next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of Yes, this is Box the Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio. Perhaps you're streaming on one of your favourite apps like TuneIn Radio or Radio App or even listening to the podcast on boxtoboxnts.com.au. Now, he's already a legend of football in this country, a foundation coach and premiership winning coach, of course, championship winning coach even with the Melbourne victory. He uh, recently, most recently coached Melbourne, uh, the uh, the Wellington Phoenix um, to what was probably a disappointing outcome. It certainly was um, having uh, had such great expectation and, uh, and having to, to leave the club mid-season. But uh, he's back again, Ernie Merrick, with the Newcastle Jets, and it's good to have him on the show. Good to talk to you, boys. Yeah, absolutely, mate. So from the disappointment of the Wellington exercise, where you know we, we talked to you at the beginning of the season, and it was a great list, and uh, and there was so much hope there, uh, through to um, to signing a, a new contract uh, uh, for um, the uh, the Newcastle Jets. You've gone from one extreme to the other, Ernie. Well, uh, I'm not sure. I think it's a similar exercise. Both clubs, I sort of try to play a part in a renaissance for the clubs, a rebuild. And uh, I think I've left Phoenix in a, in a better position than when I uh, took over three years previously. But uh, as you alluded to, there were some difficulties there, spe- specifically the FIFA weekends and the huge amount of travel involved. But I'm certainly looking forward to to building up Newcastle into a, 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 a team that will make the finals. And you never know where we can go from the finals. Ernie, um, Wellington, they say Wellington is a beautiful place to live and work and they say Newcastle is a beautiful place to live and work as well. Um, what's this about you just wanting to you know, live and work in beautiful places? <laughs> well, you missed out Melbourne as well. Well, that's a pretty good so, place uh, too because we love to live in <laughs> Melbourne. <so. laughs> well, I, was, I arrived in Melbourne in 75 and uh, I was on a one-year working holiday as a physical education teacher and never went back. So... Uh, I've always enjoyed uh, Australia and specifically Melbourne. And yes, uh, over in Wellington, people are terrific. Nice place. The weather's a wee bit too much like Scotland at times, <laughs> but uh, I certainly enjoyed my time there. And looking forward now to, to going to a warmer place in Newcastle. But once again, I've been very lucky, really. Well, you team up with Laurie McKenna. Obviously, uh, we know Laurie is the CEO, but he has such a strong football pedigree. Um, are you looking forward to having someone of Laurie's experience to uh, to do all the things that coaches do, discuss, contemplate, make decisions, etc.? I, I just have a little bit of trouble with Laurie's understanding what he's saying <laughs> most of the time. But, uh, 
<laughs> but uh, it's really good to work with with people who have really understand football and to be a CEO and have such a tremendous background in coaching. You, you, uh, I think we'll be on the same wavelength right from the start. And Joel Griffiths is there and Clayton Zane and I'll be taking over this, this similar staff. I don't want to change the staff. I think they've got good staff. So it's just terrific to work with people that fully understand the game and um, and what affects coaching and the players. And it all comes from the top. And with Laurie there and uh, a new investor uh, in Martin Lee um, putting money into the club, I think the prospects are really good because the foundation's in place, great facilities, good core of players, competent staff and uh, a fantastic support that they've always had up in Newcastle. Congratulations, Ernie. It's Dean here. I just thought, um, just for the listeners, what you know, once you did leave Wellington, have you done anything uh, further in the game and looked at different things and contemplated, obviously, getting back in the game before this opportunity came up? Well, I've always thought that having a break is not such a bad time. It's a time to review and and think of you know areas that you can improve and and perhaps areas that you you went wrong in. And uh, every year I've travel to the, the UK uh, or Italy uh, and to complete some professional development, which I have to do to maintain my UEFA license. And uh, I like sharing information with other codes such as Rugby League, PFL, uh, Rugby Union, etc. So I've been doing a bit of all of that, and um, but I've never lost the motivation to, to be involved with a team and, and want to win something. And I guess that's the that was the final straw for me at, at the Phoenix. I, I want to win something, and I, I just couldn't see with those with the FFA not respecting FIFA weekends with the horrendous travel schedule, which they wouldn't alleviate by you know allowing the Phoenix to travel maybe to Adelaide and then on to Perth and do that in a one hit. And the same with Newcastle and Gosford, the Manors. I, I just feel as though it was just too difficult. That's why I moved on. I see enormous potential at Newcastle, so. I think I'm, 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 I hope to be a part of really growing the game in Newcastle. With regards to, to obviously what uh, Michael said earlier about, you know, with Laurie McKinnon's background, you've you've generally always had really good people around you and your backroom staff. You know, just again for the listeners, how important is it to have those people around you? Because I've found when I've been a manager, it sometimes becomes quite a lonely place. So I think generally you, you try and get some really good people around you who are actually going to help you. Yes, you're right. It's a, it's a, I often uh, notice that you watch watch the bench during a football match when a team is down two or three goals. You'll notice those those people that are supposed to be on your side, the assistant coaches, the Gary Coles of this world, they all move down the bench. <laughs> 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 I'm, only, I'm, only, I'm only joking. I know you are. Gary is a fantastic person. But... Uh, it's important to have very positive, supportive people around because that's, that's your start in building your culture. And a, a winning culture needs good player, good people above you, good players who are on-field leaders, and this, your staff is, is vital. And again, if you can't delegate and rely on good staff around you, then you're going to struggle. It's not a one-man show. Sure, it can be lonely, but it can be so. So it's such a, a team effort off the park as well. And I don't think everywhere I've been, I've had, and, and you only get success with with that sort of crowd. I mean, I had Aaron Healy and 
and Gary Cole specifically over at um, the, the Victory at the Phoenix. Chris Greenacre is just a tremendous guy. A guy called Sean Gill and Des Buckingham. And now uh, with Joel Griffiths, who I saw another side of Joel when, when I coached him briefly at the Phoenix before he, he did his knee. He, he is such a positive person, but a, a great winner with a terrific attitude and a good communicator as well. So with him and, and Laurie and Clayton Zane, I think we've got a good crew off the field as well. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport, and there can be no doubt if you're an Australian football fan that we are talking to Ernie Merrick, newly appointed coach of the Newcastle Jets. Now, Ernie, you mentioned earlier that uh, to maintain your UEFA licence, you need to do professional development. You're in London right now. We assume that that's part of your, your trip over there. Can you give us a little background into to what you're doing in the, the UK and, and, and what that uh, professional development entails? Well, I, I lied a little bit this time. Uh-huh. What, you're not in London? <laughs> Yeah, I know, I'm in London, and it's the one time I haven't set up um, uh, professional development here in London. Uh, I was uh, was talking to AFL guys before I left uh, Melbourne and uh, and uh, hoped to catch up with uh, Craig Bellamy at uh, the Storm. Yeah. But the last time I was in London, I spent time at, at um, West Ham with mm-hmm. Sam Allardyce, and prior to that, Fulham, when Roy Hodgson was here. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I just thought my daughter is here, she's working, and uh, so my wife and I come over to see a bit of my daughter for a couple of weeks, and we had a week in Scotland where my mother is. So this trip was purely social, although I've just received, uh, oh, I won't mention the name of a player that's just contacted me because you'll mm-hmm. assume that I'm going to say wrong, well, but you, you always make contacts, catch up with people, uh, but this this time I'm not actually doing professional development in London. Well, you're doing family development, and we know that you're friends with the Irvine, so it might have been Jackson Irvine that you caught up, but uh, maybe he might be stuck. Well, Jackson's doing, ex- he's doing extremely well, Jackson. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if a Premier League club comes in for him. Uh, there's rumours, and oh. I don't know how true they are. I haven't spoken to his dad, Steve, my good friend, uh, since uh, we had a beer a few weeks ago, but... Jackson is doing extremely well now. He's starting the Socceroos. I know he had a massive offer from China, which he knocked back, and it's a credit to the boy because the money was quite incredible. So he really wants to make it in in the English Premier League, and I'd love to see him get an opportunity. And isn't that fantastic? Because we would love to see Jackson go around in the Premier League, and importantly, we'd love to see him banging in goals against Saudi Arabia in a few weeks' time. (laughs) Wouldn't we, what, speaking of players, um, if you had a, obviously a great look at the Newcastle squad, we understand that uh, Daniel Georgeski from Melbourne Victory has been signed, as well as the Central Coast uh, striker Roy O'Donovan, who is a, quite an interesting player in, in my view. Um, what uh, what scope have you got at this early stage, Ernie, in terms of new signings? Do you have a, a budget and uh, are you out in the market? I don't know the complete picture yet. Um, uh, Lottie's just off the phone, actually, Laurie McKenna phones me we t- to speak to each other daily with Joel and Clayton as well. Um, they, they've signed two terrific players, Georgeski winning the best player in the grand final, and to me he's a real attacking player as well as a good fullback. Uh, O'Donovan's a goal scorer up front, and he, he, that's his one and only job, and he does it so well. Uh, so I think they're two great signings. The squad predominantly is, there's a lot of youngsters in the squad, there's four under-20s, and there's two in the Olympic squad that's just been announced under 23s. And I, I think what we need to do is we need to add quality players, particularly up front, maybe another striker, attacking midfielder, um, and maybe a couple of defenders. One, So looking at four or five players to add, but three of them I would hope are really battle-hardened type of quality players that 
can show leaderships on leadership on the field because they the, they start building that winning culture as well. I just need think we need experience to to get the balance right. Absolutely, Ernie. Thank you so much, mate. Um, you've been a great friend of Box to Box since we kicked the show off, and uh, we're delighted that you're staying in the in the game at the top level, mate. Uh, we wish you luck, and uh, and I no doubt we'll talk to you a few times during the off season as as you get the squad ready for uh, for A League season twenty seven twenty eighteen. Thanks, boys. Good to talk to you. Good on you, mate. Stick around after the break. John Cosmina talking the Brisbane City A-League push. Of course, Tina's going to return with everything going on in the international game, and we will wrap it up with stoppage time. That's all coming up next on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back to Box the Box, second edition news shortly after a very busy grand final first hour. But we're going to chat to John Cosmina soon about the Brisbane City A-League push. Dino will return with everything going on in the international game and we will wrap it up with stoppage time. Edge, you had something to say. Well, just the international wrap with Dean is going to be super because there is so much to talk about. Champions League, Premier League, who's going to get relegated? Mm-hmm. You know, um, then you've got obviously uh, the championship finishing up on the weekend and mm. uh, League One and League Two. And Dino's got uh, given us a pack of information that's about five inches thick. Oh, absolutely. It's the biggest preview he's ever done. <laughs> but before we get to that, Marco... What's doing? Well, boys, Canberra is in danger of becoming a professional football black hole Mm. after Capital Football failed to strike a deal to extend a partnership with the Central Coast Mariners, reports our boy, Eamon Tiernan. Mm. Uh, Of course, he was our guest last week, and he's from the Canberra Times. Now, Mariners boss Sean Mealycamp confirmed the club is exploring other options just 12 months after the ACT government and Capital Football announced a vision to bring A-League action to Canberra. The Mariners played just two games at Canberra Stadium last season, but attracted just 5,497 and just over 5,000 to their second fixture. It's believed they lost uh, six figures on the venture, and they're moving on. And, of course, in lieu of uh, a Canberra team, there is, of course, a fresh bid. We were talking to Eamon about that last week, but in lieu of that, um, you're not going to see A-League action in the capital anytime soon. Well, it's not that far to drive up to Sydney for a weekend to watch um, either the uh, the Wanderers or Sydney FC. Um, plenty of people from Canberra travel uh, interstate regularly to watch um, different codes. Uh, they'll just have to do that in the short term. I think the Mariners' idea was a bit of a bust in the first place, and I think the number. Well, it's five thousand people there. Right. I mean, and I, I, the example I gave at the time, Kieran Pender, a, a former protege of mine, big football guy, mm. works in the media, works for the mm. Guardian, and. He, uh, that night I just sent him a text that he's going to the football tonight and he didn't mm. even know the game is on. Yeah. And he works in football well, media. Just, there's just no connection. So, I mean, what, what's yeah, the well, exactly right. to do with Canberra? I mean, yeah. And they're, they're, trying to, yeah, they're trying to replicate what GWS are doing in, yeah, in the but AFL. But... And that's it. I mean, GWS have got a spurious connection at best, but mm. uh, uh, at least there is one that, um, you know, they're sort of broadening out um, New South Wales. But, uh, no, the Central Coast is the Central Coast. Canberrans would love to note that they're considered part of Western Sydney, wouldn't they? No, well, it's uh, Greater the, the Western broad, Sydney, whatever that means. Yeah, well, they, they, they've, they've specifically designated it as a second home in a similar fashion to other AFL clubs have picked Launceston and Hobart, right. and North Melbourne, and right. and, uh, and Hawthorne. So, uh, uh, yeah, Canberra need their own team. We've made that very clear on Box. We have now. There's, stadium. there's a bit of editorial in here, but a claim that Zlatan Ibrahimovic has been paid three hundred and sixty-seven thousand pounds a week, boys, uh, confirms that Manchester United have entered the age of desperation in which super agents. 
have them dangled on a string. This summer will tell us whether Britain's biggest club can reclaim their independence and identity. Let's go through some of these now. This is out of a book called Football Leaks, The Dirty Business of Football, based on investigative work by the Spiegel journalists Raphael Bushman and Michael Voltzinger. Uh, and there's a few more there. Uh, sorry, Mino Rayola, Paul Pogba's agent, could earn as much as £41 million <laughs> from his client's time in a United shirt. A £23 million cut of the £89 million transfer and five further payments of £16 million. I mean, what, so where's, uh, what? Mino Rayola looks like an Italian name. Um, he's probably getting paid more than half the players in City are. He's probably getting paid. Man, look at it. These are ridiculous numbers. £41 million he's going to pocket. In the wrong caper, boys. Yeah, I think we are. We yeah. are, well and truly. Anyway, De Spiegel also claims that Ibrahimovic, who joined on a transfer, on a free transfer rather, signed for a salary of nineteen million pounds a year with three million uh, a goal bonus. And how's this? How's this one? Pogba's contract is forty-one pages loaded with incentives, including a loyalty bonus, a loyalty bonus in very comments after mm. just two years. Forty-one pages of caveats mm. to his contract, all about bonuses. Michael's fascinated by this story. I can see over there. Now, as we, we touched, just don't know how true it is. It just could be total garbage. Well, it's from the BBC, so it's, you would think it's been vetted mm, yeah, somewhat. The Spiegel is a, a reputable uh, newspaper and the in Spiegel, uh, that's right. Deutschland. You know what that means in German? It means the Spiegel. Uh, yeah. All we know for sure is that uh, all of the people that you've mentioned are getting paid a lot of money. That's true. Including the agent. Now, someone who might be getting paid, uh, who knows, but Sydney FC's longest-serving chief exec, as we talked about in the first hour, will step down from his role during the off-season. Tony Pinata announced his departure from the club on Wednesday after five seasons with the Sky Blues. He's coming uh, home. He hasn't lived in the same city as his family for a very long time, Tony. Yeah, which so. must take its toll. But oh, yeah, credit absolutely. to Tony. I mean, he's been a great uh, uh, boss up there at Sydney FC. Lots of good things have happened in that time he's been there. And uh, you don't hear uh, you know, bad uh, news coming out of that club very often. It's, uh, it's been a pretty Well, not only that. I mean, he played a big role in the signing of Serie A star Alessandro mm. Del Piero um, shortly after joining the club. Um, he did also hire Frank Farina, though, so it's probably not uh, probably not his best work. And then he's what he's done Frankie is Frankie Flower, mate. He's one of the Australian legends. Yeah, anyway, he helped uh, the club rebuild its relationship with fans. Attendances are actually up, believe it or not, because I'm in the flash hot this For year. For those who are not Italian, Farina in Flower, Italian. Yes, the fellow you are, you are that is. <laughs> anyway, these but the most important thing he's done. This club was an absolute financial basket case, and I understand that they are very close, which is actually significant for breaking even. This season, they were basically losing five, six, seven million bucks a year just for fun. So he certainly uh, increased their sponsorships, um, really just um, just tightened the ship up there as well. So and well uh, done, Tony. And, and their board and uh, their owner um, and their chairman have at times been uh, pretty difficult to, to navigate. And I think Tony should be congratulated for that. Mark, you used to work with him. I know him well. Um, we know what he's about. Do you think he's lost to the game, or do you think he'll pop up? I don't know. I'm trying. Correspondence with him the last few days, trying to pick, squeeze it out of him. But uh, there's also, he was, he's actually, there's some rumours circulating around that he's linked to Melbourne City. I was going to uh, say, that's the rumour that I heard. Is he? But considering that Scott Munn is Scott actually Muscle. in Manchester as we speak, mm-hmm. um, you'd assume his job is, again, safe. So, yeah, it's, uh, unless he's been someone there to pack his bags, but that's a long way to go to get sacked. So, anyway. Maybe they're going to transfer him over to Manchester. Well, I think that's, that's what he's sticking around for. I think just wants uh, some work there with the mothership. Anyway, boys. Um, now this one is. Let's uh, have a talk about this one. This yeah. is uh, quite uh, an interesting one. You go for it first. Football Mark. Federation Australia has expressed its congratulations, <laughs> really, to newly elected <laughs> AFC representatives to the FIFA Council 
whilst, whilst it's not a word in modern English anyway, while also expressing disappointment following FFA Director Moya Dodd's loss in the election for the single female member position at the AFC Congress in Manama, Bahrain. Uh, basically, the reality is uh, we've lost another FIFA vote here. We had uh, Moya Dodd, a prominent uh, board member of the FFA. A um, lot of campaigning to and throwing went on with this, and we've come up with donuts, Michael. We have come up with donuts, Neil. Uh, we should just uh, tell the black story here. M- M- uh, Moya Dodd's basically on the FFA payroll, being paid a full-time salary. I think it's uh, been reported it had been, been around 300000 Australian dollars to effectively hold her positions at the AFC executive uh, on that board there. And then, obviously, she was co-opted to FIFA. So it was a very big uh, and important play by the Federation to put Moya up for this position. And she's been beaten by uh, the Bangladeshi candidate. Uh, and if... Um, Mafuza Kiron. That's right, who has uh, apparently no uh, background in uh, women's football or any... Uh, any really noted experience. Um, and it wasn't even close, 27 votes to 17. 17 which That's is the right. absolute majority. So. so those track watchers who take a close eye on this uh, would have seen an outpouring of emotion for uh, Moya from um, luminaries in the women's game right around the world. Mm. Uh, very disappointed about this result, losing Moya, not only uh, to the um, or losing more to the FIFA executive. What's important here is that if uh, people are interested, have a, a read of Scott McIntyre's article that was in uh, Football Asia. Scott now working in Japan and writing for Fox Sports uh, 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 website over there, and uh, he basically details blow by blow uh, the horrific nature of of the Asian uh, Confederation's politics, including the the uh, dodgy consultants and the type of activities around alcohol and uh, shady women of the night that uh, get involved really? in these voting campaigns. So if you're interested to find out about what actually went on, give a read of that. And we might get Scott on if we get a chance. Scott obviously used to work at SBS and um, also famous for that uh, unfortunate Anzac Day tweet that uh, uh, generated a fair bit of controversy. But Scott is a good journalist and he has actually written a piece that is very interesting and um well, just we're interested to see what happens he calls here a spade with Moya. A spade. He does, yeah. that's for sure. Interested to see uh, what Moya does from this point on. I know that the, that she'll no doubt be very disappointed, and uh, no doubt all of all of the luminaries at Football Federation Australia will be disappointed. I just want hap- and that, what happens to that investment moving forward. Well, that's uh, that's certainly what I've seen on social media. A lot of people questioning. Mm. It's, it's, it totals up to about a half a million dollars that she's been paid. Uh, while sitting on the board there, so it's uh, maybe we need to ring John Coach to get our politics sorted out because he <laughs> seems to know how to play the game. Oh, now, boys, speaking of women's football, the Matildas will take on the champions of Asia, South America, and the world in July at a new four-nation invitational tournament in the US. The tournament, cleverly named the Tournament of Nations, uh, which was announced on Thursday, will pit the Aussies against uh, World Cup holders, the US, Japan, and Brazil. To be invited to play in this tournament is really exciting, as we'll face off against some of the world's top teams said coach Alan Stadjic. Um, there's going to be a blockbuster game against the Americans at Century City Field in... Century Link Field, rather, in Seattle on the 27th. We've never beaten them in 26 attempts, boys. And it's been 17 years since we've played them on home soil. No wonder we haven't beaten them. And you know We'd be means? more of a chance to beat them on home soil than away. No, it just means they're due to lose. So I'll back the Aussies. Yeah, the Matildas are in for a good couple of years, I think. Yeah, how are we going for time, Yeah, now let's, let's see this George Colombara story. We're going to probably have a bit of fun with that uh, in stoppage time, I think. But, uh, well, actually, it's, no, there stoppage is a serious time to is going to be almost exclusively dedicated to... Um, we've got to congratulate the AFL because, we, as we know, they invented 
women's sport this year, yes, yeah, and now they've invented a... now they've invented sport in China as well. Yes, apparently, yeah, so we, we, they're we, going we... really well. Yeah, Good okay. on them. So now there's quite a reaction in the uh, Twitter sphere from football fans about some of the comments around uh, that game. Mm. But you've probably all seen the footage. Master Chef Judge and celebrity um, George Calabaras has been charged. I can't believe he's been charged. Has been charged following an altercation with a teenage fan at the A League well, Grand Final on, hang on. You, on well, he, Sunday the, night. The kid yelled out to him. That he was standing on the other side of a fence. Mm-hmm. In the video, it's very clear that George walks up to him and mm-hmm. pushes him. Now, uh, uh, an adult... Oh, uh, no, terrible. No, 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 Is the kid going to live? Hang on, he... hang on a sec. No, no, Is he in the, the ICU at no, this stage? Or... Let's look at it this seriously. An adult grown man cannot walk up to a juvenile and he's just 19, start pushing mate. him. He's not, he's not five yeah, years old. Yeah, he's yeah, 19 yeah, years old. You just can't do it, mate. It's, 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 it's the... the um, the thin end of the wedge, insofar as uh, as uh, you know, invading people's personal space, and uh, and look whether he gets off or not, I don't particularly care. But he needs he needs to account for it. The big question here is that that as the number one ticket holder for the Melbourne victory, if he yeah, gets there, convicted there, of assault, yeah. then he can't hold that position. He's and and not only can he not hold it, I understand he could be banned for three years. Uh, so uh, that's that. Seems Have you seen be- the incident, Michael? Yes, I have, Mark. Would you think, so New South Wales Police confirmed on Wednesday a 38-year-old man had been issued with a future court attendance notice for common assault. Do you think that really passes the threshold of common assault? Uh, look, I'm with you in this one, Mark. I'm Seriously. actually not in the, the Rod former Gilbert copper camp. over here. Look at him. Have, have you said that? Yeah, I know. The, these, oh, and, and, ladies copper. and gentlemen, these are the two blokes that um, that you know that, that take soft views on flares as well. Oh, so, I actually yeah. tried to tag your son into a Facebook uh, post that uh, a friend of mine from Greece sent me, which was. Um, of uh, the stadium in Park where they set the record yeah. for the most flares exactly. over only last week. No credibility. Literally, there was about 5,000 flares, and I couldn't work that out because you don't have a Facebook account. Yeah. And you don't have and, a Facebook and, account. And, and guess what, ladies that's and gentlemen? That's a disgrace. That is why. Well done, Mark. On that note, I'm right. You're wrong. Um, We're, going uh, straight, uh, We're going straight to Jimmy Grant's after the show, <laughs> me and Michael, and you're not coming. After the break, Johnny Cosmina, the great John Cosmina, our friend Cosy, he's going to talk to us about Brisbane City and their push for the A-League. That's next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Now, Brisbane City, a great name in Australian football, is pushing to enter the A-League. And our good friend John Cosmina, the coach of that very club, joins us on the show tonight. Welcome to the show, John. Oh, good day, boys. How are you? Is that Flog Van Aken there? <laughs> he's let us down, Cosy. Yes, hasn't he? Yeah, he's... Brisbane uh... City going all right, aren't they? The Brisbane City coach and uh, former Socceroo and... Uh... The main man, John Cosmina, he's let us down. Yeah, no, look, he's never done that before. It's not coming it's like the place he actually gets now. paid and is employed is more important than us. That's right. I know. Well, we, 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 just, well, we, we just been to South Africa and Russia with us. Yeah. Mm. Oh, he's, he's allowed one strike in, in his black book. But, he's uh, been good. But he's um, Marco and I are pretty close to this, and so are you, Rob. But mm. Brisbane City, or the Gladiators, as yeah. they will be known, um, pretty impressive little logo. Um Suggesting that they'll play out of a refurbished Ballymore Stadium, which Mark loves that idea. Mm. He thinks it will be awesome. Um, They'll undergo a full rebranding, new logo, um, Mm. maroon, gold and blue as their primary colours to pitch themselves to a wider audience. Um, It seems like they're fairly organised. They've been um, well and truly received very well Mm. by uh, people in the media and um, Andy Harper, mm. uh, that great sports uh, and Fox Sports commentator that we listen well, to. Well, Ballymore is is a, is a great. They should brand. be letting out. Yeah, in, in Australian uh, 
venues and uh, and and much loved in Brisbane. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, traditionally known as a rugby union venue, but uh, it, it's a rectangular stadium. It's a, it's a boutique size mm-hmm. and uh, and would fit really well with the renovation, wouldn't it, mate? Yeah, look, it would. And, and for people that uh, don't know, with this bid, they're already in bed with the Queensland Rugby Union. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a pretty acrimonious relationship between the QRU and the Brisbane Raw. And the Raw are actually now based there for training again um, after they didn't pay their bills, so they kicked out for a little while. Mm-hmm. But they're there now. They're talking about spending immediately half a million dollars on the place, but then more long-term. Yeah. And again, working with the QRU to build a, a real fan zone. It's close to the city. It, it is in a bit of a little rabbit's warren, so mm-hmm. it's, it's probably not the easiest place to get to. But again, it's boutique. It's automatically a point mm, of difference because mm. uh, one thing we've been talking about with expansion is they've been talking about Ipswich going out that Western Corridor. Yep. Uh, obviously, Gold Coast has got a black mark against it, so we wouldn't go back there. Then even talking Logan, and I'm, gonna, I'm talking a little bit out of school because I don't know. Brisbane's probably the city in Australia I know the least mm-hmm. about, but Logan sort of, again, that, that Southern Corridor mm. where the the Raw are actually moving their, their admin and, and training base to I think that's opening next year. I think I'm right in saying. Yeah. So instantly, one knock on Melbourne City I've always had is they've come into the league. What's your point of difference? Well, you've got yeah. a different colour. Yeah. You play at the same venue. Mm. You don't really represent a geographical space. Yeah. They've sort of pseudo-latched onto the northern suburbs because they're yeah. based out there, but they're not really. And, 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 and they've been, and they've been anyway. um, created out of nothing. And then the one thing that really uh, brings this um, this, this uh, franchise uh, opportunity into to sharp focus is that it's a great brand in, in Australian football and, uh, and there's a, a latent support base already there. No, exactly right. I mean, look, how, how much of that, I don't know. I'll, actually, again, would have been nice to talk to Cosy mm. to work out what sort of crowds they get uh, these days. Then, that said, it's hard to judge because we know clubs like South Melbourne and Heidelberg and Sydney United and Marconi, mm. etc. probably get bugger all to their games, mm. relatively speaking. But they have a history the that they can build yeah, on. I think that's they the can key. leverage. And they can, um, you know, they can build and, uh, and grow from that. Uh, interestingly enough, the big chairman, uh, Robert Cavallucci, um, there's a lot of talk that he knows what he's doing and he's got a great uh, understanding of what's required. And, and there is really strong um, commentary from people in the know who say that the bid elements and uh, what they've detailed already far outstrip uh, anything else that the FFA has seen. And, and you hear that from multiple sources. So uh, where there's that sort of feedback mm. to people like us, you'd have to say some of that is true. They're saying their bid's complete, they're ready to go, they're funding secure, they've got the dollars, they can spend the money on the stadium, and they're going to have a point of difference. And imagine a Brisbane Raw, Brisbane Gladiators uh, derby mm. uh, uh, would be something to look forward to, for sure. Well, we know this ticks the box with uh, Dave Gallup, because he said when he was actually talking expansion, before mm-hmm. he's just uh, hit, hit himself in the castle mm-hmm. uh, to talk about that at all, but... Uh, um, this is the thing that frustrates me. We had Gregor Rourke on the show, and they keep talking about we need to change our structures and then need to change our ownership structures and blah, blah, blah. I get that. But again, if you've got someone here, and they're not alone. There are obviously other teams around the league that are really willing and able, people mm. like the Wollongong Wolves. Well, we've spoken um, to just about single one of them. Yeah. But if you've got people that understand the lay of the land, who actually understand, well, hang on, the distribution is only $3.25 million, whatever it's been proposed. And they go, you know what, we've, we've done our homework, we know what our stadium's going to cost, we know what our squad's going to cost, we know what our admin is. Mm. And if they're really willing and able to jump in into this environment where, yeah, you are probably going to lose some money uh, until you get things totally cherry ripe, mm. don't you let them? This, 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 this inertia of waiting another two or three years before we let in, and just like Harp said, they're, ready, they're pretty much ready to go. So do it. Having another derby in Queensland is just going to add so much in southeast Queensland there. Well, the opportunity is there because uh, at the moment, none of the other major codes have got a derby, whether it's uh, 
rugby league. They've uh, well, look at the, the derby the, with the Gold Coast. Yeah, you know, well, that, but that's that's not a derby um, in terms of an intercity derby with with Brisbane. So mm. you know the Broncos have got Brisbane on their own. The uh, the the Lions. It's been a while since the crushes were around, mate. Yeah, that crushes Mario Fenwick. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but but um, it, it just tells you that that there is an opportunity in Brisbane for one of the codes to get on the front foot and create that derby and uh, and get that local. Uh, Rob, what did you make of uh, Gregor Watt's comments last week when he sort of talked? You talked about uh, running a parallel process, the, the whole governance stuff with the A-League clubs as it is, and then an expansion progress. It, it, it basically, from the reports out of Brisbane City, that they've had these ongoing, this had some ongoing dialogue with the FFA for some time. Mm. It, it appears that uh, what a lot of people thought that there mm. would be no expansion actually might not be the case. That there could be uh, something pop out of the the woodpile pretty soon. It's just hard to understand, isn't it? Yeah, it because is hard, there, but yeah. because there's no clarity. And uh, look, and I, I don't profess to be an expert in any way. I'm a great media consumer. I observe uh, from the sidelines. I talk to people in the industry and uh, and and on our show. That's where my knowledge comes from. So I, I'd like to think of myself as a as a very well educated observer who's on the outside and uh, and and considering that uh, you know I've consumed so much in the way of media and and uh, and and uh, and that's you know radio TV uh, social media despite what you say about my um, lack of Facebook <laughs> account, um, that it, it just seems to be all uncertain to me and if there's a parallel process going yeah well and good but I think um, Sport and uh, sport in this country doesn't keep many secrets. So if that parallel process was uh, was robust, we'd know about it by now. And for all of the uh, people that have put their hand up or consortiums that have, have expressed interest, the two ones that I'm most interested in is this one mm. and the one in Dandenong in Melbourne because I think that actually has a lot of legs to a little boutique stadium out there, mm. uh, the new migrant communities, those three councils getting together. And uh, mm. I think that's something that we should explore in a bit of detail in the next couple of the months. The only question with that, we didn't talk about it last week, because mm. it's it's kind of impressive what they're starting to build down there. And again, what's your point of difference? They're comparing southeast Melbourne to western Sydney. Mm. Um, obviously, yes, it's the, it's the big growth corridor. Mm. And it does have its own sort of, I guess, identity um, does, down yeah. that way. Yeah. But the important thing is to get the stadium right. I just wonder, um, those councils coming together, yep, they're going to supply the land. The only thing I'm not seeing with South East Melbourne yet is the actual substance in terms of, hang on, yeah, the councils are driving this, but where's the private enterprise behind well, it? I think that's to, I think that's been lined up now. I think there is quite a few people that, uh, that are on the short list, and the councils have a very dedicated process they're going through. I think we should probably explore it a little bit ne- next week. We should, and, and there'll be but plenty uh, of people listening to this as well who, who, will, who, who will argue against your, um, well, your I mean, selection still, of two clubs, of course, because you've got the... Uh, Steve Horvath yeah. will with his Geelong Patriots, and yeah, obviously and, South Melbourne will too, and, and our who I think are rank outsiders. And Southern Sydney It's might. a P- campaign. That so, is it. So, no substance. So, so, okay, so we don't want Roberto Carlos on next month. That's fine. Southern Sydney might have a word to say about this conversation as well. Nah, that, mm, mm. that does nothing for me, that. And trying to, you know, bastardise Wollongong into their bid. Mm-hmm. Trying yeah, to, that's unimpressive. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Mm. And as, uh, actually, speaking of South Melbourne, as Tom Cullis uh, told me via text message today, you can talk about all the grassroots and the kids playing, but we've shown that that doesn't not that the link between the two mm. is not as linear as people would like to think. So, okay. well, my personal favourite is Tasmania anyway. I think Tassie should I've be. Forgotten in. about them. Yeah, they've well, gone quiet down there. I can tell you. Well, Tasmania is mm. still the the last time I looked at the map.
Oh, God. Yeah. How are we going for time there, Robert? I, I, there was no double entendre anyway. <laughs> you, you just picked some ridiculous thing in there. A double just, entendre. You are an outrageous man. And you both are, in fact. Uh, look, that is it. That is it, Cosy. Thanks, Thank you. guys. Thanks, yeah. guys. See <laughs> you next time, Cosy. All right, stick around because we're going to talk to Dino after the break. We're going to talk the international news. We're talking Champions League. We're talking Premier League. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on any app you like or perhaps on the podcast, boxtoboxnts.com.au. Now, boys, Storage King, when you need to sell your house, you've got potential buyers. They want to feel like they can easily fit all their belongings into your home, and that's why it's important to declutter. We know we've got to do that when we move, don't we, Jenna? We do. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in that uh, frame of mind right at this moment. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and when, you, when you declutter, there looks like there's more space in your place, even though there's not. And... It's just all in the image. It's all in the eye of the beholder. So you've got to get your stuff down to Storage King. Get to storageking.com.au or 1-800-STORAGE because you can get your belongings out of your house. There is always a space at Storage King. They are just around the corner. They've got plenty of locations. As I said, you go to storageking.com.au. They've got the space calculator if you've never stored before. Um, it's a really simple uh, approach to uh, to working out how much space you need. You ring the staff at uh, the local Storage King on 1-800-STORAGE and they're always... Really helpful professional. Sydney FC uh, need to make some room in their trophy cabinet, uh, so I understand uh, some of the lesser-known trophies are on their way to Storage King. Exactly, as right we now. speak. Exactly, and uh, perhaps Juventus, maybe Real Madrid might be needing to make similar space, Dino. Yes, the, the Champions, Champions League. League. Well, uh, it uh, all came to the semi-final climax, mm. where uh, Atletico uh, made a decent fist of it to begin with. Um, mm. Two quick goals through Niguez and uh, Griezmann uh, in 12th and 16th minute, and you're thinking, mm. well, okay. Yeah. Uh, there might be something brewing here, but uh, Isco, who uh, by most of the major well, pundits said was the best player over the two the two legs. They, and they started the way they needed to, didn't they? Yeah. They do. And, and look, what's interesting about Isco is the, there's a player who plays for us, Theo Markellis, ex-Melbourne Victory, and he actually grew up with Isco and he's actually his best friend. You know, so how, you know, the worlds, you know, go in different directions. Uh, but one, uh, one, yeah, Isco so is... Uh, is one end a, of the spectrum to the other. Is, he's hot property and... Uh, I think there's a few teams around Europe looking at him if they don't want to keep him. Um, so, look, Real Madrid into the final, and I think well-deserved. Um, and obviously you've got to give Ronaldo credit there for the, the hat-trick in the, the first leg. And then, um, well, Juventus is just... I, I honestly thought Monaco had a little sneaky chance here just because the amount of goals they score. But it wasn't to be. Uh, Mandzukic in the 33rd. Dani Alves, they're talking uh, Bellendor. They're throwing that out on the table now for a right back. But to be honest, the worldie of a volley and the the goal in the first game, he was quality. So that was two goals there. And then uh, the young man. Uh, and, and good on him. Yeah, I love. Yeah, he's good. The 18 year old. Uh, Mbappe. Yeah. Mbappe. Yeah, 69th min, minute. His uh, stocks are going up. And I think I think there's talk that Barcelona will come in, but he's gone. No, if I'm going anywhere, it's Real Madrid. Well, but what about Juventus, though? The, uh, the, uh, the old lady. La Vecchia Signora. Now, do you know the origins of that name, Dino? Why they're called the old lady? Um, well, I do, actually. Well, I, I think I do. Is the oldest club in 
Mm. England is Notts County yes, and yes. they are related so yeah, yeah, no. having been at yeah, Notts County yeah, as a exactly. kid I grew up there yeah. uh, so I was aware of that and I'm, I'm assuming it's something Very to do similar. with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's definitely a connection because Juventus meaning young in in um, in Italy in Italian it's the sort of the young club it's the oldest club it's sort of an ironic nickname well it wasn't a bad little era. punt that was it it, it was, was a good punt speaking of Notts County there was a uh, I mean this is back to your old hometown and I know that you played play there but there was a legendary commentator who used to commentate all the Notts County yeah. games. What's his name? Oh, I just saw this during the week. My, it is. You know, John Beckett, yeah, obviously, he's yeah. been sending me the links yeah, and I kept so. watching him. But anyway, his, his he, last he, speech. Um, he did his last game after 40 years of commentating their seasons or whatever. But I'll tell you what, He's given he's given Notts County the pasting of all pasties because they are they are trash. Well, I think just they are garbage. Let's just talk about Notts County because there was a manager there. Well, he wasn't the manager; he was the first team coach. Was Howard Wilkinson? And yes. just before we go to the Premier League, yeah. there's talk now, and I, and I didn't there's know a this. Unique anniversary, unbelievable anniversary. That there's no English manager won the Premier League since it's been going. Since he was the last English manager to win the football league years ago. 25 years ago. With Leeds United. Yeah, and the closest... Well, he won it at Leeds United in 91-92. Howard took over in 1988 from Billy Bremner, who was very famous. Um, Left there in 96. Also managed England. We obviously had a little spell and a little uh, rendezvous with him in uh, one of of two of the projects. There's only six current English managers in the Premier League as we speak, of which four of them have taken over other jobs where the other managers being sacked. That's uh, Steve Agnew, Craig Shakespeare, Eddie Howe, obviously normal, Sean Dyche had the job anyway, Sam Allardyce and Paul Clement. What is interesting though, in the first year, the very, very first year of the Premier League, 16 managers were English out of the 22. So you can see now where the trend is. It's it's very much a foreign game now, as we know. So mm. take it as then to the Premier League. Just a bit of trivia there, by the way. And Ooh. it's nice trivia. We have listeners like that bit of stuff all the way from Dean's Well, home. they're just saying that will an English manager ever win one? And the most probably no. is maybe not, no. Not with the ones you've uh, read on. But Chelsea, Chelsea are in, uh, well, red-hot form and put themselves into an unbelievable position uh, through the week. So and they were and Tottenham, wow, wow. Didn't they stuff things up? Yeah, they did a little that. bit. Yeah. yeah. Look, and look that's, that's what pressure can do to you when you're at the very top. So, look, really what, what we're looking at right now is Chelsea will win the league. It's just a matter of when, unless something really, really goes awry. Tottenham are runners-up. And then it's really the battle between Liverpool, Manchester City, Arsenal and Man United of where everybody finishes because... There's the, the, the Liverpool have played an extra game. So Man United, who are in sixth, win that game. They only go one point behind, sorry, two points behind Liverpool, and there's still two to play. So anything about can happen. three or six is they they keep on seeming to get results uh, against the the lesser lights that um, you know that or, or not get results I should say against the lesser lights and uh, um, and and, and um, having opportunities to to advance their cause. But not, not well, that, that can be down to depending if they're playing to teams really near the bottom who are fighting for their lives. They're, you know, you can almost say that they're more desperate than they are at the top. Yeah, but these are teams that are fighting for Champions League places. And uh, well, it is, but you, you're talking about survival and losing. You could you, there's many clubs nearly going out of business when they get relegated from mm-hmm. the Premier League. So the desperation at the bottom is far greater than at the top, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it is it's it's life or death for some of these clubs. I think it the is. other thing. Well, just 
just quickly, what about the rele- let's go to the relegation Well, that's what I was stage. looking at. Middlesbrough are gone, mm. as, are, as of Sunderland. And Steve Gibson, who we do know. We do know, And yes. it was his nephew who's the captain. Oh. And there is talk that he won't stay in because the Premier League clubs want him. So mm, that's interesting, interesting yeah. yeah. But there's Hull City on 34, Swansea on 35. And, and Big Sam's Big Crystal Sam's, Palace. I reckon they've just got enough. Just enough. Well, we say that 40 points is the is is the benchmark. And yep. we've obviously got Watford and Burnley on 40 points. Um they would need to lose both, and, and Hull would need to win the both. Big, the big game, Edge, the big game is Sunday the 14th, and it's Crystal Palace against Hull City. Well, that's what it's That's the one where it all, everything will be defined. Yeah. And also... It's a good time as well, that 9 o'clock start. And also, you've got to look at Swansea go to Sunderland on the Saturday. So that's going to be most probably really important there that Swansea get their three points, and if they do, that mm. could push them right, right either into Palace's way or it'll condemn Hull to going down. So I and, think and, and probably I would consider Hull is has the weakest squad uh, in the Premier League and uh, they've had all sorts of controversy with their owners and Steve Bruce walking out and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it's been some effort for them to hang in this year. Yeah, long. look the manager when he came in did really well but they you know they lost at home last week which That's was right. a bit of a shock to Sunderland who got relegated. So Look, I think it's a big weekend and a big week because it's midweek games as well. So really, we'll be coming back for the Sunday the 21st, uh, which is the final day of the season. And I think a lot of things will be clear these, or very, very touchy. These games are going to clear up some of those games they at are. the end, aren't they? Yeah, so that's it. So, so it's really, really important that you pick up all your points in these games. Mm. So obviously the... Uh, the championship, as we always touch on, yeah, um, Newcastle United obviously have won the league, uh, winning 3-0 against Barnsley. Sheffield Wednesday uh, got beat at home to, for me, the informed playoff team, Fulham. Because mm. um, Sheffield at home have been really, really good this year. Because Huddersfield has not uh, done well in the last few weeks. Yet. They haven't. They've struggled. So mm. the, we've got the f- playoffs. But just before we just quickly preview them, down the bottom, interesting, Harry, our Harry, he, mm-hmm. was a, he was a beneficiary of the 2-0 win against Huddersfield, but then went away to Bristol City, which is not an easy place. 1-1-0. Mm-hmm. Has a one-year contract now yes, and got, got paid for his for his work. <laughs> and that's, that's the furthest north he's ever worked in his life. The furthest north other than that is Tottenham. And as we know, that's very, very that's, much down south. That is down south. But so, he's... he's, he's Put Birmingham in 19th spot. They've avoided relegation. He's done it. Unbelievable. He's done what did it. he say when he signed up? He said, we need four points. He did. And he got them. So then you're looking at uh, Blackburn have gone down. Uh, so the Venky group. You know, that was a heartbreak for Blackburn, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. They, it um, was. They, you know, they came out. They won 3-1 against Brentford. And, um, you know, Brentford had, uh, had done so. So Nottingham Forest so, stayed so, up on so, goal So my old man's team, he actually watched yeah. this live. He got him on to be in sports. Obviously, we're in Sydney watching the uh, grand final. He's down there and he's ringing me. It's 1-0. It's now 2-0. Two two it's now 3-0. <laughs> so that was good. So, um, yeah, look, congratulations to Forest and to Birmingham. To obviously two and a good clubs. friend of ours, Richard Rudsky, will be very happy with that. He'll be very happy. And, was... your, and your mate back in yes. uh, the old days, uh, well, the, the John the whole, Beckett. The whole village of Ruddington, they reckon, were at the game as well. Well, I'm sick of John's um, <laughs> unliking from Come on, jump, jump in, so the playoffs this Playoffs week, are yeah. now Fulham Reading uh, on Saturday, their time, and on Sunday, Huddersfield, Sheffield Wednesday, and then they'll have the, re- the return legs on the Tuesday and the Wednesday, respectively. Mm-hmm. So that'll be um, just on quickly. How long have we got to go? Oh, let's, uh, what, what do you got? Just well, jump we've got in James Meredith bit. playing yep. at Wembley on yep. Saturday, the 20th of May. So that's coming Bradford up for, for James for Bradford City he against plays his Millwall. Old mates, Millwall. So, <laughs> <laughs> 
Last time we had him on at the least radio. At least Last time we had him on the show, he, he told us off here what they were saying. I know. They, 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 we left the best bit off here. He's yeah. got a bit of space, though, around there for the distance yes. from the crowd, so he could be all right there. And just finally... League two, and I told you how excited there was 11 games out of 12. Yeah. Well, our our old mate Gary Bowyer, he's uh, he's got into the playoffs with Blackpool, so they play Luton, um, and Carlisle and Exeter uh, will play also on the Sunday, and then the re- replay legs um, the later Thursday. in the week or on yeah. the Thursday. But what was really this is the last part of it. There's a guy called Jeff Stelling, and Jeff does a TV show. And I don't know if you remember when Sergio Aguero scored the winner when Man City won the yes, league in yeah, the yeah, last yeah, kick. Yeah. It was that studio and Merson's going wild and the crowd's behind. Well, they had another moment like this because Jeff Stelling is very much part of Hood, uh, Hartlepool. Now, Hartlepool's only really famous manager was Brian Clough. So the, the dynamics is Hartlepool are playing. And they're playing one of the they're playing one of the teams at the top, so they're under enormous pressure to get a result. But they actually turn it round and win. The other game's drawing, and at that stage they are staying up with goal difference. In the 89th minute, a young man from called O'Brien for Newport County pops up, scores, and you can see it because he's like he's actually outed the manager. Mm. Weeks before, just two weeks before, mm. he outed him and said, you need to resign to give us any chance of survival. So he mm. resigns mm. and this happens. So they get relegated. His team there, live on television, oh, you can just see it was carnage. Now, so they go down to the, the, uh, the National League. They do. They? Yeah, so and they've been replaced by Lincoln City, Lincoln which City. had a fabulous cut run. And then there's a playoff, isn't there, between Tranmere Rovers... Forest, Forest Green, Green Rovers, Dagenham and Redbridge and Aldershot Town. There it is. There it is. Okay. And on that note, we are going to wrap it up because we are well over time, boys. Dino, outstanding as always. We'll wrap up the championship playoffs next week and uh, and then dive into the final round to, of, of the Premier League. Yep, excellent. That's all next next week on Box to Box. But stick around because after the break, stoppage time, Marco's got a couple of little stories that he wants to run up the flagpole. And, uh, yes, they will be quirky as always. Box to Box. Can you the Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box. The fourth official signals. There are six minutes left. Now, Mark. Yes, Robert. We know Michael has um, has got a query for you on uh, on the TV figures. For well, I was, gonna, um, I was just going to actually let people know what they were, effectively. Well, fire away then. Because <laughs> it was a record. <laughs> I'm no, intrigued. They've been released. 553,000 was the peak number of viewers on, on Fox Sports uh, coverage. Pay TV, which is a record. That's a 10% increase on the previous uh, uh, A-League Grand Final between Brisbane Raw and Western Sydney. That's a pretty good number for Pay TV in anyone's languages. So well done to uh, Fox Sports. They, they did secure an average through the entire uh, match of 367,000 viewers, um, which is uh, which is a good result, and they should be uh, very proud of that. And I thought the coverage, having spent the time on the couch uh, mm. with the uh, Twitter and uh, the text messages going flying everywhere, um, it was a very good product, and they should be congratulated. I enjoyed it very much. What were the numbers on the special broadcast service? Uh, on the Vi- SBS Viceland. What the hell does it even mean? Well, it means nothing. Yeah, those numbers uh, are not clear at this point. Is that because the replay's still actually going now? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I love the people that like, either have it live on free to air or there just was one don't dude, have it. There was one dude on Twitter who kept on saying, I didn't know who he was, but he kept on saying 
uh, you're popping up in the feed every now and again, which was effectively saying, guys, can you stop talking about this? I'm watching it on SBS. Mm, God, mate. <laughs> no. uh, Go to the mate. pub, you <laughs> clown. <laughs> that is Seriously. ridiculous. Anyway, that's uh, well done, Fox Sports. Now, boys, uh, speaking of well done, the AFL is uh, inventing sport in China this week. Hang on, uh, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Rewind. Where are they inventing it in? Uh, oh, sorry, Chang. Thank you very How's much. How's Donald going, too? He's going well this week. He yeah. sat so underneath this week. Yeah, Jeremy Kobe, the FBI hey, boss. He wouldn't be investigating him at the same time, would he? No, that's not what This bloke is going to put the Don't impugn his character. Impeach in, impeached, <laughs> and it's not going to take long. Anyway, boys, um, just going through. So now Travis Boak, who Chang. is the uh, very talented skipper of the Port Adelaide uh, magpies, not magpies, sorry, the Port Adelaide, what are they called? Power. They're the power, mate. Yeah. And he's uh, John Pirrick uh, from The H. So down these stairs, he's obviously not honestly come back to work this week, John. And um, he said Port Adelaide <laughs> skipper Travis Boak says, he might be downstairs as we speak, says uh, AFL looking down forward it. to being the first Western pro sport to play for official points in <laughs> now, on this, any listeners to this program maybe point out <laughs> a particular sport that might have been playing in China for <laughs> points. For a decade oh, in the oh, Asian no. Champions League. Now there's been this this sent Twitter into a spin because there's nothing like us football people to have a chip on our shoulder. So <laughs> Ryan McGowan, Socceroo, uh, this is shocking if true. As an Aussie living in China, I've been embarrassed by some of the comments being made before this game. Uh, what is wrong with these guys every day saying something ridiculous? Um, Vince Rigari, a friend of our show, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody has ever played sport in China before. <laughs> we are the first. Uses the memory eraser thingo from Men in Black. <laughs> sorry, that's the sorry. Start again. So it's the AFL spokesman. Anyway, boys, Adam Peacock, uh, our friend from Fox Sports. One thing is certain: the AFL has made sure we know the game yet. Yeah, it's great. Um, great explorers of the new world: Columbus, Marco Polo, Cook, De Gama. Eden Hinckley, of course, referring to the coaches <laughs> of uh, the two uh, Aussie rules teams. Uh, Richard Hines, love his work, just uh, as a picture of sort of medieval London and modern-day London. This is London immediately before and immediately after it was discovered by the AFL. Yeah, more of Marco Polo references. Um, what are we, just, gee whiz, I mean, Sydney FC. Yeah, so we've got the picture of Sydney FC lining up for the Asian Champions League game back in 2007. Even Lynchy, again, everyone's our friend, aren't they? Michael Lynch from The Age made a good point too that um, supercars, because he does a bit of motorsport for The Age, even supercar V8s have been over there in the last couple of years, apparently. I think um, the AFL will put a press release out about this, won't they, just to, to apologise and acknowledge um, that they might have got it wrong? No, of course not. And the reality is... A lot they put of, a press release out... For everything else, I remember famously on one occasion uh, uh, someone breathlessly reporting, in breaking news, the AFL announces its new stopwatch timing sponsor and it made it into the news. But uh, they won't be putting a press release out about this, will they? Is it on telly over there? No, it's not. Well done to the AFL securing... I'll ask that question. And you know, it's actually... You you see during the week too that, uh, again, these... I don't know which journal it was, but because uh, we had uh, Jansing Sunning right. in uh, Adelaide, and, and, and someone's going, "Oh, you guys getting excited for the AFL to come over?" And they're like, "What? Sorry, what?" And then in translation, they're going, "Oh, you mean rugby? Rugby?" I'm like, <laughs> apparently these guys are Japanese. No, anyway, and um, interesting part of that then, Sunning is actually owns, I think, CCTV over there or whatever it is. You know, the the big network. So um, so uh, yeah, they, and they had absolutely no idea. So that's uh, what they're bloody talking about. So it's not so, going to be on telly in China. It's being played at a golf driving range <laughs> that looks like it was built like for the Olympics in 1820 or something. <laughs> and um, it's they've sold sold in vertical as 10,000 tickets to expatriates to 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 China's in a, in a city with a population bigger than Australia. 
I know. It, okay. The Can most you... interesting uh, dialogue about all of this all week was the fact that that game, Adelaide's game against uh, that team that Mark mentioned, uh, actually pulled an audience in China of 350 million people. And if somebody, if there's, if there's a, if there's a, um, a world game, you know, football hater out there who sort of just stumbled across our show, thinking, who are these clowns bagging football Aussie rules style? We all love footy. We, we're as big a fans of footy as, as anyone in this country. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but now you got to call out the, the irony yeah, and, yeah. and the and the and the PR spin, which is uh, hyperbole at, at its best. Uh, oh, really, yeah, I think he deliberately did that that time. Okay, um, a few yeah. more. Should we get oh, a few more out? Yeah, yeah. We, um, no, we would have, we no. would have called you out if we knew that you did yeah, it wrong. I'm sorry. Actually, so John Stinchholt, again, another friend of ours. There's yeah. so many friends. Well, yeah, we've got friends of Pox to Box. He's so uh, obviously part of the Fairfax, the Fairfax brethren there. How are we going for time? Well, are you going to wind me Last one, yeah, I am. Okay. Anyway, but John Stinchholt suggests that maybe, uh, is it John? Joe, John Pyrrhic might have been winding up the football community on purpose. So Yes, quite possibly. There we go. Where okay. are we? Well, you know where we are? We're at full time. We're okay. out full time on Box to Box. The season is officially over. It is done and dusted. The grand final's been won, run and won. We've reviewed it clearly. We're going to go back to uh, our postseason next week, and Dino's going to start it's reviewing It's not a postseason. We hit the international season. We've got the Confederations Cup. We've got World Cup qualifiers. Bring it on, baby. He likes interrupting, doesn't he? He reminds me of my wife, this bloke. Well, this is our um, show, Ron. Right? Uh, like. That is uh, our show, mate. Yes. Yeah, okay. So he you, likes inter- he likes it's box in- to box with it, Rob it, Gilbert and Michael Edgley. He likes interrupting uh, because <laughs> I was about to say the postseason of the A-League. And that's what Dean is going to review, that postseason of the A-League. And then we will have plenty to talk about in the international game because there is a stack, as you just wonderfully explained there, Edge. So that's all next week on Box to Box. Join us next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.